Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. How to boost customer engagement? It's very important today because businesses need to pay more attention to customers, not to think how to satisfy algorithms, how to get hiring in positions on Google, on social media, high engagement. You need to think about customers, then algorithms will love you. Uh, I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Matthias Betak. How are you? <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me, Anatoly. I'm good today. Thank you very much. Yeah, a big pleasure. A big pleasure. I want to learn more about that. And uh, I remember 12 years ago when I started my online journey, I didn't learn a lot about customers because competition was low. I paid for clicks like 5-10 cents. Today, I need to pay 5-10 dollars you know, to get these customers. And it doesn't mean that I can get them if I don't care about customers, don't create the right content. Matthias, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, about your business and why you pay attention to satisfy customers' intent. Um, all right, so now I'm working for Odoscope. Odoscope does personalization uh, in real time in the very session, even for unknown users. So it needs to take the data and there's uh, artificial intelligence to find out dynamic peer groups. I'm going way into detail already, but we work very much with the data in real time, which is available. And this is very customer centric because we have the challenge that in Germany, at least most of our clients have about 60 to 80% unknown traffic on the landing page. That means mm -hmm. with the typical methods of recognizing a user and then serving whatever has been learned about this user behavior, that doesn't apply. The user mm -hmm. is not recognizable. The, the cookies are not there. The device has changed. Uh, whatever the reasons, consent has not been given. So that's a challenge. How to serve customers if you don't know about the customer? Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell uh, about uh, how to learn customers, how to start from the basic? Because I see when businesses use tools, studies that share average data, but how to collect? data about customers before creating content, before thinking how to satisfy their intent. Yeah. So the typical way, first of all, you have your visits. Say we, we, we stay on the website, right? We can talk about this in different platforms, but let's, let's uh, keep it easy in, in terms of uh, examples. Uh, so you have your visits on the website. They are by users and the users are returning and some are registering. And by this, you have a customer base, partly known, partly unknown, known in terms of your customers, not only users, so you know their names and stuff, and you can track what they do over time. Um, and then you have the visitors who do things, right? And they may come back or not and, and do stuff. And in addition to that, um, you can get customer information by, for instance, uh, uh, platforms or advertising networks who target the customers based on their uh, reach, which is a different thing, usually working with third-party cookies or um, identifying traffic across very different and many websites. And this can be added to the user base you have. And so mm -hmm. over time it grows. You have newsletters, you have probably other touch points where you can collect customers or users, and that grows. But the essential thing on the web, on digital, is that you need some kind of recognition before you know that that's, this very visit is... Anatoly or Matthias or whoever. 
right? Mm -hmm. And that's much easier if you're in social networks because then you log in by default or if you go on um, uh, shops, you probably are talking about e-commerce uh, where, where you are very regularly, you're probably always logged in, but many, many users don't log in before they check out. And until then, mm -hmm. if you don't have a customer journey, how do so? Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Okay, let's talk about uh, customer engagement. Uh, for example, okay, we collected data, we uh, found the way how to get traffic, relevant traffic. Uh, and when customers land to our landed pages, website, uh, how to learn how they engage our content uh, and how to improve this engagement to help them more? Yeah, I think the key element is having relevancy for the very user. So every mm -hmm. potential new customer or returning customer needs to find what he or she is looking for immediately. So of course it's a difference by the businesses. And if you buy a pair of sneakers, which you can buy on 50 different platforms, uh, the, the likelihood that you will change if, 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 if you can't engage well with the site is much bigger than say you want to have a jersey of your favorite football team, you won't buy it from the opposite team only because the shop is working better, right? So there are many, many different businesses, but you need to have the relevancy immediately. And in e-commerce and in many, or even in, in, in publishing or in where, where you have a lot of content to offer, whatever it is, the question is always what comes first, what needs to be categorized, which categories matter, right? And that can be individually served, but that needs either a user recognition to find out what would be relevant for this very user, or you have to do that in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's I what wanna we're doing using these data yeah. points, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about simplicity and choosing something that it's important for customers. For example, if I open Apple, I can see only iPhone. You know, I don't see MacBook, I don't see AirPod. Air Apple Watch because uh, Apple knows that iPhone is responsible for 50% of all sales. But I see another issue with many different companies that are trying to sell almost everything from a single page. I mean, like from a home page to share all products, categories, and uh, customers hate it. You know, they don't know what to click, where to go. Yeah. And yeah, the best way what they can do just to leave it. And uh, what I like, for example, on Apple as well, uh, that uh, it's simple, nothing special. I don't see uh, long text, just uh, make difference, you know, simple, so simple. And uh, it, it doesn't uh, confuse me what I need to do. Uh, I think Apple knows that customers uh, need this content. They trust brand, they have this authority, but it depends. It depends on uh, uh, different uh, cases, issues. Can you tell how to choose priorities and uh, choose important information for customers to get high engagement and yeah. uh, cut the rest? Yeah, I can. Well, the, the one thing which you talked about is the quality of the very product, right? And that plays for itself, of course. But uh, yeah. identifying if you have a vast amount of products or content or whatever to provide, and you have exactly this problem that what to do if you have 5,000 pair of jeans, which one comes on the first page and how to sort them. What we do is we analyze the historical behavior data. So, for instance, web tracking uh, to understand exactly 
all the correlations of all the data points. Um, and we do this for the web data in combination with the product data and in combination with CRM data and maybe even weather data or whatever may play a role. And we check across all data sources, all data point correlations to find out what's significant. And then you find out that people buy different products on a Monday than on a Wednesday or Thursday. Or uh, you have um, very different buying behavior from people with iPhones versus uh, Androids, or people in bigger cities behave different than in other cities. <clears throat> and combination of those. So an Android user from a mid-sized city in the north behaves different than an Apple user from a bigger city in the south, or whatever it is. This is almost like a data fingerprint by the shop if you do these correlations. So once we know what happens in this very shop in terms of user behavior by all the different data points, and somebody comes who is not recognizable, so a supposed to be new visitor, we still have a day of the week, a time of the day, maybe a referrer, an operation system, a browser, a device type, very important, and a geolocation, right? And with these data points already, and sometimes we have more, and especially we have more once a user comes on the website and clicks, because every click is another engagement, which can matter, um, then we realize, uh, we analyze in real time these data pattern from that very user with the data history to find the digital peer group, the statistical siblings, if you want, users like you. So, and this audience has a certain behavior which is significantly different from other audiences. So these preferences of this audience is the personalization for you. So if people with your data points at this moment let's say prefer blue shoes over red, you will see more blue than red. Very simple example, mm. right? And that can be combined in various ways and that allows to have quite an accurate, good guess, right? It's, it's personalization is more or less a bet. I give you something and I hope it works and the algorithm mm. will learn because either you click through or not, right? And then you behave. So this is how we do it. Uh, I hope I could explain it uh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we have the question from Divya and uh, she is asking about new website. If a new website doesn't have this data, what do they need to do? Yeah, we have to collect the data, but sometimes we don't need to have a full year. So um, the usually we say at least three months, but it depends by the traffic because statistical significance um, needs a certain base amount, so to speak. Right. So if we have a shop with only I don't know, 10,000 visits a month, that would probably take ages to find out what's significant. And in that time, seasons change and behavior changes. So it needs a bit more. Worst case, you have to wait and collect data for a couple of weeks or maybe a few months. I think everyone starts from scratch, you know, <laughs> without data. And uh, you can use best practices, uh, tools, online studies uh or learn on social media you know so many different ways how you can learn then you can adapt test even fail that's okay you know i failed a lot of in a lot in my yeah. life I, for me it's hard to count how many times i, I failed mean, but I mean, yeah testing is, is all about try and error and fail and and it, it's, it's not random try and error right but uh you're welcome Livia. Um, uh, it's not random, it's, it's data driven. So if we see there's a significant difference in this user type with, and just not user type by a persona, but user types by the data point 
and, and their data history, then this is used to to play out what's relevant, most likely. And the algorithm is uh, is learning. So that's that's a whole machine learning process about you you provide something which has a high significance. Um, the clicks will show if that works. And of course, we have a control group running with it to prove that this kind of, of uh, algorithmic personalization works better than whatever the other is. And so mm -hmm. it goes, it's a constant battle. And if you see that your test group performs better than the control group significantly, uh, then you change it from say 50-50 split test to 90-10. And you still keep the control group just to make sure that you always have a proof. Mm -hmm. And then you can go on and do test on test. Yeah, let's talk about benefits. Uh, benefits of intuitive intuitive touch interface, uh, user interaction. So, can you list some benefits that companies can get by uh, paying attention uh, to uh, increasing user experience? Yeah, anything about I that? Mean, there are a lot of benefits because if you have uh, more relevancy at first glance, not only after first click, but really at the moment the landing page is visible for the user. Uh, you have less bounce rate, you have uh, more stickiness, so a user will more likely come back or even finish a purchase. Usually have uh, an increase in conversion lift, uh, which means an increase in revenue. And of course, the tool can steer the assortment and the merchandise to make sure that also the business interests are met, not only selling by the sake of selling, but also selling that enough profits come in, right? So a lot of things can be adapted to support campaigns and business needs. Um, and we, we see also less ret uh, retours or cancellations, like if you return an order, because people find what they have at first glance that it's more likely something that they will keep. So actually, I see only benefits in, in providing um, yeah, basically more relevance. The trick is what is relevant for this very user at this very moment. And if you think of, you want to go to, uh, you go to a shop to go, I don't know, you, you want to buy a chainsaw, so to, right? Well, you do some research, you do that for one or two yeah. days. The customer data platforms have you, they know you want chainsaws, right? <laughs> then you come back because you got a chainsaw from your neighbor, right? You don't need it to buy it anymore, but next week you need something else. And you come yeah. back to the website, what you need is something totally different, say a shovel, right? Um, but the CDPs, will still think you are interested in chainsaws and they will give you that regardless if maybe data points have changed which would justify to provide you different goods nice. maybe also different goods right valuable okay yeah. uh we have another question uh about a b testing tools anand asking uh, well, I, I won't give you well I, <laughs> I can recommend my own tool or our own tool of course yeah sure of course yeah go ahead. it's a whole it's it's baked into it we, we can't do it without the b test um I, i'm sorry i can't give you a, a a one tool which works it it depends by quite a lot of factors right um mm -hmm. it's uh, it, i would i would rather think from do you need a tool to test kind of design and layout and stuff like that or do you need a tool for certain processes and depending on that you may have different choices also with very different prices yeah yeah uh, i usually use uh, google analytics uh, you know even ga4 can show engagement you can analyze for example if you change something you can analyze uh, customers engagement and uh, um yeah just test 
test a lot more. Uh, you can use heat map, many great tools about that. Uh, Crazy Egg uh, from Neil Patel. Yeah, you can find a bunch of other great tools. So just uh, choose what kind of goals you have. And yeah, you can test. And uh, even, you know, I remember when we uh, change design and uh, cut some uh, blocks, elements, uh, and uh, we decided to share less features and conversions increased a lot. You know, we hide it data, hide the data because customers don't need it. So if they don't need it, why we need to show? You know, and uh, I wanna ask you about um, you know creating the feeling of uh, owning product. Uh, you know, it's interesting. For example, uh, once I watch a presentation about new Apple Watch and Tim Cook uh, shared three stories, how Apple Watch can decide my problems. After that, you know, I bought three pairs for me, for my son, for my wife, because these guys probably kill me, you know, if I buy only for myself. But, you know, anyway, <laughs> I bought this Apple Watch because of getting this feeling, you know, that uh, this gadget can simplify my life, can decide my problems, can improve the quality of my life. Can you provide some insights? How? to share stories or create content that customers will love uh, and don't get trapped by sharing features. For example, you know, uh, even more, I remember when the first uh, iPod was introduced by uh, Steve Jobs many years ago, uh, and uh, uh, he didn't tell that you have 10 gigabytes of memory in your pocket. He told you have thousand songs in your pocket, you know, so like to create this feeling of uh, owning, of uh, having something. Can you tell about that? <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not a product designer, especially not uh, for tech products in terms of Apple stuff or uh, hardware. Um, so Any other product. <laughs> I, I don't think, no, I, I would, I, I, I'm serving businesses who all hopefully believe that they have good stuff. And the question mm -hmm. is really how to they know how to promote it, basically. The question is um, how to find the right relevant. That's our job, right? And uh, um, it must not be, I mean, of course, Apple is sexy, uh, but it could be also relevant which kind of bricks you want to buy if you have a construction yard, right? And you just see bricks in front of you, a uh, thousand mm -hmm. of different stones. I have no idea. So that also contains relevance because that's always a context between the user intention and what the site serves. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, let's talk about personalization. You know, I decided to remove TikTok because this app learned my mind. You know, uh, when uh, I usually check out TikTok in the restroom, uh, then I, I can't stop watching all these videos because TikTok knows what kind of content I like. So, yeah. and. After watching two hours, I got it. No way. I have no this time. I need to make a lot of other things. Uh, I fight with myself a few days. Then I decided to remove because, you know, because TikTok uh, knows how to uh, provide relevant uh, engagement yeah. content for me you now. And uh, the same issue I have on but Amazon, for example. In. Sorry to interrupt because that's a different thing. You're not an unknown user to TikTok. 
Maybe yeah. you're not doing what you want because the machine is controlling you, but nevertheless, they recognize you and your behavior dictates what comes next. Uh, I disallowed to control me, so that's why I moved TikTok. Well, it's not me. It's, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm probably too old for that. I just know basically how it works, TikTok, but I'm not a big consumer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I recommend you don't set up TikTok if you okay you you can do it if you have the goal to create content you know yeah that's okay oh, that's a different thing no I'm taking it yeah from... if you wanna create content to promote your business to get yeah. results yeah it works but if you consume <laughs> it's better to engagement they do as as far as I well not only TikTok it's also a lot in gamings and stuff is is quite uh, the they play tricks with your brain, right? It's it's yeah. manipulative uh, in a neurological way. Uh, it's just providing constant actions. And that's that's what they work with, right? And that's something where humans are very vulnerable at. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't get the same experience on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Instagram, just on TikTok. Uh, yeah, TikTok provides a good job with personalization, with finding relevant content to show, yeah. yeah. So that's why I removed TikTok and I have Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn because these platforms yeah, can't uh, read my mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk about uh, personalizing product lists. Uh, can you tell yeah. uh, how to do it? Because, you know, uh, I see different styles. For example, on Amazon, I can see uh, like three, four items in one row and... Uh, uh, a lot of columns uh, so uh, sometimes i can see only one item you know uh, you scroll down can find another one so how to find the balance between sharing a lot or less yes <laughs> so what we're doing product listing is basically our main leverage point and, and that's the mm -hmm. most powerful one right because if a user wants exactly that product and knows it in advance, uh, why, why should you, you can recommend additional products, but you shouldn't hinder that route, right? So that's a given. Uh, but those users who, who want to research things or want to look for that are ready to get inspired and basically go to product overview pages or to home pages, main pages, where you have these carousels or endless scrolling lists with so many products there. You need to, to pay attention about the personal relevancy. And that can, as I just explained, you may have different, different things might be relevant for you at 9 a.m. in the tube on your mobile phone than the mm -hmm. evening before uh, at 9 p.m. with a glass of wine and your, your desktop in front of you, right? So it's a total different situation. And that needs to be taken into account. And this is why we believe that the momentum is even more important for engaging a user in the at least in the very first moment and leading him to relevant products um, is even more important than knowing the customer history that you bought two washing machines in the last five years or something right uh, and so product lists are sorted by taking the data points i described before so geographic day time referral browser type and so on device mm -hmm. type, and analyzing users like you in real time and their preferences for this very view you want to have, say you're looking at thousands of genes, is returned as a score in, in, in the product list. So the, the product list gets scored and ranked for you based on your data points. And recommendations look, look like, uh, are just like this. Usually a recommendation is users who bought that product bought also that product. 
which means if you buy a bestseller, then there are a lot of users who had bought that and you will get more or less a second bestseller as a first recommendation, right? Because also a lot of them bought another one, but it's a very different thing. If I say users like you who have bought that product, bought also this product, and suddenly you have quite a few different variants, which are more likely more relevant. And if they're not, we will see it by the next day or by the next, or actually by the next data evaluation, which mm -hmm. happens usually per day. Uh, and the scoring will change accordingly. So also the yeah. machine would understand if, if, if people lose interest in certain things or gain interest in certain things. So um, that's how we sort product lists. It's, it's by taking the data points and identifying users like you and coming back with that. And that, of course, needs a certain amount of data, but not terribly a lot, like a million visits a year would be enough to start with. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh... Uh, I want to ask you about having enough data, you know, uh, because you you mentioned many times data, data. I, I lost my track how many times you <laughs> mentioned the word data. Yeah, it's important. Data is fuel. But, you know, I remember a story from Jeff Bezos when uh, he got uh, a research team and this research team asked him to give more time to learn about a new product. He denied. He told guys, we have enough data. We need to test. We need to analyze how it works. And this product called Alexa. Most homes in the US have this product today. Uh, so Jeff uh, had intuition now to recognize that he had enough data uh, to launch the product because uh, uh, in the end, we need to update, to improve, uh, to learn uh, from customers, um, especially if you start something new. I think Amazon has enough data now about customers, but uh, that's why I think that Jeff got enough data. But, you know, I spoke with a few data experts and most of them told me if you share a lot more data than uh, businesses need, it might confuse what to do, you know, because uh, a lot of data, a lot of insights, and according to some studies, uh, companies implement 40% of all recommendations. Yeah, they have ad many other things to do, other priorities. Uh, can you tell how to find the balance between having enough data to simplify experience of implementation, execution uh, from your experience? <laughs> the typical way would be to have a goal which is measurable. So what mm -hmm. would be an indicator for not too much, but uh, well enough or whatever you just described, right? And if the goal is maybe that uh, you have more users purchasing stuff on the same visit than before, because maybe they were confused and took longer or that the purchase time is faster, then maybe that could be the goal to measure against. And then you basically test things out, right? And uh, you can try to overwhelm someone with too many details and see if that works better than the radical opposite or some ways in between and different sortings and different categorizings. Um, that would be a way to measure it, right? Um, on Amazon, you're totally right. They, they probably have way, well, they have way more data because you, you, of course you can visit Amazon without doing stuff, but basically they have not 60 to 80% unknowns. They probably have 6% unknowns, if any. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's a whole different business. And if they then go into home devices and can track from there and deliver stuff to there, uh, it's a whole new universe. You can't compare that with 
uh, I don't know, uh, a sports gear shop, uh, which needs to to compete with with many others, right? So Amazon is in a different position here. Yeah. And they're, they're okay. Things and 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 testing out, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But I love to learn from Amazon, from Google, from big brands, from Apple, and think how to adapt if I can. Amazon, I can. Testing, right? So yeah. Uh, By the way, yeah, I read uh, breaking news from Bill Gates, and he told that Amazon will be obsolete when someone will implement uh, chat experience on AI. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, I remember when Jeff Bezos said about that that Amazon will be bankrupt in one day because uh, I think nothing, everything has the end, yeah, and including Amazon, including big brands, uh, except Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola will exist uh, forever because yeah, sugar drinking. You know, it's hard to avoid <laughs> to drink this. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I wanna ask about uh, having the balance in design between functionality and user experience. So can you tell more about that? Um, well, it, I think it depends on each other, right? The user experience, if you see that's not perfect, uh, which could be identified by many ways and probably even by voice of customer, um, it needs some functional optimizations, right? Uh, whatever it is. So, and that's also to, we, we have common practices, which, which we all learned over time, right. And, and, and adaptations. If you think how the internet was looking like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was different. And maybe we would be, would have been totally confused if you would have shown us a website today, which is basically a one pager with a lot of dynamic elements in, uh, and stuff like that. Anyway. So, um, that's something you need to, um, the way I do it is, is looking at the data. If I see a big dropout rate or a trend which goes into the wrong direction or a certain segment which is not performing as the others. So we look into that to identify what is the problem here, right? Is the website maybe not loading fast enough or is the style guide uh, broken for, for these device types? Or um, do we have a problem in the marketing campaign because maybe it's advertising display banners with uh, product labels which are not visible if you reach the landing page and then people drop out and it's uh, hilariously expensive and so on and so forth. So all the optimization jobs I would do are, uh, uh, are, are based on data. So just because someone says the user journey or the customer, uh, um, the usability is not good, uh, that that's a fair opinion, but let's look into the data. Maybe it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, uh, I have three questions left, uh, and uh, this question about learning customer feedback to keep improving, updating, and I remember interesting quote about that: uh, uh, if you uh, launch a new product and to get success, it it means that you launch. Uh, too late this product you know because yeah uh it's better to launch a product that it's not ready or raw product you know and we often see when for example google or bing or any other big company they uh give test variant to bloggers to analyze how it works so can you tell how to learn from customer feedback to improve your product <laughs> well if you're powerful enough and you own the market 
then you can dare to do that that way. I, we, we by far, <laughs> so, so we can't even think about delivering an, a not ready product. It, uh, uh, mm -hmm. that would be shooting our knees uh, both at once. So it's, it's, it's no way, right? Um, but maybe you mean something else where you have certain features enabled and more to come, kind of. Then it could still yeah, be... Yeah, I, I think uh, quality product, but Windows yeah, you can sorry. update, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like that, uh, if you launch a quality product, good product, but of course, uh, the first version is far away from uh, updates that you can yeah. implement. Uh, yeah. it, it depends a bit. If it's a free product, nobody can complain. Then it's fair enough, yeah. so to speak, to have uh, the first user generation kind of a beta tester group, right? Um, if it's a paid product, it could be quite annoying, actually. Uh, yeah. um, especially if you understand something different from the from the advertising or marketing than what you really experience. Um, generally, I would not do it that way, but user feedback is extremely important. And I think you will get better user feedback if what you serve is stable <laughs> and they mm -hmm. will just ask for more features, so to speak, uh, than having something where you're not really sure if it works all over and then things will happen, right? Uh, if, if there's no alternative, people will go through that pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Matthias. Yeah. And, and I yeah, have the please. yeah, I have the question about uh, common mistakes. Can you list mistakes that companies still do? Huh. Uh, yeah, and your tips how to find a much better way. Um, can you specify what kind of mistakes? It's it's sometimes I mean like mistake. to learn customer engagement, customer oh, okay. experience. Yeah. I, well, I don't think it's a mistake, but I think the focus is shifted sometimes in a, in a direction where you kind of leave money on the table, right? Mm -hmm. So if your focus is only on kind of personalization, which rec uh, which requires a user recognition, you're talking to a certain segment, which is probably a super segment, but there's a larger segment next door you don't serve. So that's one thing I would just encourage people to look at that. If you talked about engagement rates before, right? not all the users are engaged. So either you have um, uh, you have an average or you're looking at the engagement rates of those users who are not bouncing. But how many were bouncing? Are these 5, 10, 20% or even 60 or more, right? So that's an important segment to look at, not only that what works, even though that's probably more comfortable because bottom line, you make profit and stuff. Uh, but there are still ways to... Um, to, to, to let your business grow with kind of your own tools and your own data. You don't need to buy everything to, uh, yeah. from different sources. Of course, advertising marketing is super important, but there there's lots of room for improvement, I think, by what I always say, harvest in your own backyard. Yeah, nice, nice. And uh, Matthias, uh, let's forget about your company, about uh, your experience. Um, because, you know, I, I found that, that uh, I usually get high results with customers who understand uh, SEO because we can help with SEO services. And if they don't, I usually tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Mike Phillips, Jeff Coyle, many other great experts, because you can learn the basic. We can uh, speak in one language, we can understand each other and uh, to go ahead. But if the... Uh, you know, uh, if customers understand why we need to create high quality content, how to personalize content, how to simplify, uh, why we need to have link building, PR, many other things, yeah, we can uh, get high results. 
let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, completely from scratch. It's your first day <laughs> in customer engagement. Uh, can you tell what will you do today to learn more about uh, getting the right knowledge? In that case, I would probably walk through the market research department or the product department, whoever can tell me what the company is doing and what they believe is working good and what is their target group. So mm -hmm. that's the very first thing to understand. And if you know who is your target group, next question is how you get that, right? How, how you tackle it, how, you, how, how do you meet the group uh, uh, and how can you expand it, right? And then you come more and more into operational stuff and customer engagement is is pretty pretty operational if 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 you're not only talking about the umbrella but actually do it on all all the different touch points where that can apply right mm -hmm. um and because i'm a data person i would uh, try to look as soon as possible into any kind of customer engagement data so as you said the engagement rate or the ratio between uh, dropouts and, and purchases uh, or the bounces or how the campaigns are working and what they cost then and so on and that. That, is, mm -hmm. that would be my approach, right? But the very first thing is really to understand what is the business goal and what is the target audience and how, how does that need? Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And my final question about the future. You know, it's interesting. I spoke with Jeff Coyle co-founder of Market Muse, uh, and he told me in the future, we'll have three companies. The first company develop AI, the second company implement AI, and the third company will be obsolete. So uh, you mentioned that you adapt AI. So can you tell uh, your forecast? prediction about the future, what kind of future will be and how to adapt AI, AI technology today to win in the future. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a large question. Uh, I like your, I like your example. I read the other day, a developer who wrote, um, as long as generative AI can build software, only if clients can accurately, um, praise it, then we're safe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I would, I would I would first divide between what's basically ML as a machine learning with a decision engine and generative AI like we know from ChatGPT or uh, Midjourney and so on. Um, generative AI, uh, it's it's overwhelming. The and and the uses here uh, they, they can be even more powerful. What we're doing broadly. And, and already in MarTech is that machine learning plays a big role with the decision engine and that's often called AI, right? But it's a different type. It's like of, it's, 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 it's based on very fast data engines, which uh, can, can look at uh, many, 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 many different parameters to identify stuff, which would take ages if you do it and which doesn't work by scale, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that's, that's a different thing, but that's already quite common and not only since two or three years. So uh, certainly the first MarTech AI hype, I think, is, is certainly 2015, 2016 already, right? I remember mm -hmm. when we talked about that at the Digital Analytics Hub and that was, was it in 16? Yeah. And that was already a topic, right? Where, where we discussed what was AI or actually this is marketing language, but we have a lot of ML uh, and how to do with that. Um, 
yeah, let's see if it will all turn to two different companies, one producing, one developer implementing. Mm-hmm. So far, it's still the same. Yeah. Yeah, got it, got it. Matthias, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn okay. from you. We did it from first attempt. We don't need <laughs> now to set up another meeting. So because you know the topic, that's why, yeah, it's better to, to get down to the business. Welcome back anytime to share more oh, valuable so. insights. I love it. So valuable. Uh, tell our audience how to keep learning from you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. Easiest is probably to um, check me on LinkedIn. I'm not a big blogger there, uh, but I post things from time to time. Otherwise, uh, you can always contact me and ask questions. That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, uh, Anatoly, thank you so much for having me. It's big fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big pleasure. I love it. Love it. Uh, I like questions that Divya asked us. You know, she has uh, beautiful eyes. I will. Uh, look great <laughs> and uh yeah uh guys you can find all links uh to linkedin account to the website in the description below listen us on apple google spotify and see you next time thanks for listening to this entire podcast please rank your experience in apple spotify google or any other platforms that you may use also please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.